Praise the Lord, Grace Church. Is anybody glad to be in the house of God today on this Sunday morning? Amen. 2 Corinthians 5 and 17 said, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things have become new. Aren't you thankful for that today? Can we just clap our hands and give God some praise all over this place? Lord, we thank you for your grace, for your mercy today, God. For you are great, and you are greatly to be praised. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord.
they say praise the Lord this morning? You know, they're, we, we're here on a Sunday morning, and I understand that most of us have had difficult weeks, I'm assuming, making an assumption there. But there's something that kind of happens to us on a Sunday morning. We get, we get a little lethargic, right? You get a little overcome. You, it would have been nice to stay in bed, maybe. But, but we're in a place where the Scripture says where the Spirit of God is, there is liberty. So I want to I appreciate God with the last of my strength. I want Him to know that I appreciate the liberty that gives me in my life. I owe all to God. There is nothing great in my life that does not have the fingerprints of the Lord upon it. Praise God. We appreciate you, Lord Jesus, this morning. You may be seated for a few moments. We only have a couple of announcements. Please remember that August 16th, which is this Tuesday, we have our morning prayer in the sanctuary at 10 a.m. If you're able to be here, the body of Christ will be certainly edified by hearing your voice in this auditorium. And please remember that we are continuing our 21 days of sacrifice through Sunday, August 29th. This is a wonderful way of, of declaring to the Lord and to the world around you that, that you're serious about your service and relationship with God. A great way to extricate from your life things that might be obstacles to you and your relationship. I appreciate God. I don't want there to be anything between he and I. Can someone say amen? Do you love the Lord this morning? I know that's a rhetorical question because I'm in a church filled with people that have been bought by the blood of Jesus and been filled with his spirit. But let me ask you one more time. Do you love the Lord this morning? Do you want to worship him? That lifts our voices to the Lord as our singers praise him.
serve it all, Lord. Whether I'm sick, whether I'm well, whether I'm poor, whether I'm rich, God, you deserve the glory today, Lord.
question, how is your faith this morning? When Jesus was conducting his earthly ministry in the, as the four gospels record, there was places he referred to where he found no faith. And then there were other places he referred to where he said the faith was great. How is your faith this morning? Are you struggling to believe or are you still on top of it? That my faith is still in God? My faith is still in the Word of God. I still believe in the power of God's presence. Is that how you feel this morning? Let's praise Him one more time. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. We're going to go to the Lord in prayer in just a moment before our speaker comes. And uh, I want to remind you, if you were not here Wednesday night, did not watch on live stream, Please go back, make it a point to uh, view or listen to Brother Ben's presentation here Wednesday night. It was simply outstanding. If you did not see that or hear that, it would it would be a very it would be very challenging. It'd be a tremendous blessing for you to go back and to listen to that. Also, I want to make a quick comment on our Friday night youth social. Uh, Sister Murph and I stopped by for a few minutes to catch kind of the end of it. I did not know they were doing a devotional. Uh, Noah Watley got up and led a devotional, did an amazing job, uh, quoted a lot of scripture, and uh, was. Uh, my heart, of course, was full when I heard that, but then when it was, when it was time to conclude, uh, Allison Montgomery came up and led a time of prayer. When she did, my heart was touched. She prayed for every request. There was four or five requests. She named every one of them. Some of them, maybe the kids and their age and whatnot, the students that were here thought maybe it was a little frivolous, but nothing is ever frivolous with God. And she prayed sincerely, and she prayed passionately for every one of those needs. I felt the presence of the Lord while she was praying. And it did something to me. And all of the stuff that's going on in our world and in our culture, we have young folks that still have their hand firmly in the hand of God. Their faith is deeply planted. And I'm so thankful for that. I'm so thankful for that. Thank the Lord. And I want to say to Allison, that didn't happen just by happens chance. She has a mother in her life that is strong and powerful and fervent, very passionate about, the, about faith, about the power of God, and it passes down. And it's encouraging. It's inspirational. Thank you for praying such an amazing prayer. It touched my heart. And again, I'm thankful that our young folks are on fire for God. They're all up here in the front. They're worshiping God. And we want to keep it that way. And everybody said amen. Thank the Lord. Let's give the Lord some more praise here this morning. He's worthy of it. Thank the Lord. Uh, I want to bring to you today, if you would help us pray, uh, 
uh, Sherry Gregoire has asked us to pray. I know that she has had um, just a lot of challenges in her family over the past several days and weeks, and our hearts certainly go out to Sherry and her family. But her niece, Delena, 38 years old, passed away in her sleep uh, just a couple of nights ago. It's uh, her sister Kathy's daughter, and uh, Delena leaves a 13-year-old and a 16-year-old behind. And uh, I, don't, I don't know what the right answer is for this. I suppose presence ministry would be the best we could offer, perhaps the best we could do. But there's one answer I have. I'm going to take it to Jesus. He knows why all these things happen. We don't. It's hard to understand. But I'll challenge you again today. Where's your faith? Where's your trust? Where's your confidence in God? I'd like for us to pray for Sherry's family right now, shall we? Jesus, we love you today and we're thankful be able to call on you in times like this thank you God for your attentiveness to these situations you never ignore these things you never slough it off you never say I'm too busy but you're always here your presence ministry is amazing when we don't always hear you we know God that your presence is around us no matter what and I pray for Sherry and her family her sister Kathy us two kids. I pray in Jesus' name that you would undergird them with your strength, with your comfort. I pray, God, that you would be kind to them, that they'd feel the strength and the encouragement that only you can give. We stand tall today on the Word of God. You said it, and we believe it. And we pray, God, that you will bring these things to pass, that you administer to this family, and perhaps there could be a great revival because of it. People need the Lord. People need the Lord. And God, these are times and opportunities where you can come through like nothing else can. And I pray that your spirit works in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Thank the Lord. Without further ado, man that I love, appreciate, and respect deeply, our assistant pastor is coming to preach to you today. Everybody say, God bless Brother Dave. Thank the Lord. God bless you as you open your heart to him today. Well, praise the Lord, church. If you're happy to be in church today, would you just clap your hands one more time to Jesus? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 I give honor today to Pastor and Sister Murph, to their tremendous leadership. I give honor to our ministry team. What a pleasure to serve with them. A wonderful, wonderful team. And I give honor to all of you. What a resilient group, resilient bunch of people you are. Love you very much, and I appreciate our church. I love Grace Church, and I love each and every one of you, and I'm thankful for you. Let's go straight to the Word of God today. I want to, to spend some time with you, with what I believe God has spoken to me, what I believe His Word is for today. We'll read one verse of Scripture found in Hebrews chapter 2. Uh, verse 1, one verse of scripture, Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1. The writer here says, Therefore, we ought to give the more, the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. I believe, whether we like it or not, God, whether we like the times we are in or not, let me say it that way, whether we like the day in which we live or not, God has commissioned you and me to be His church in this day. 
And I believe that the call to us today is to move forward as a church. Let us evermore rise to the occasion and rise to match these times with the gospel message of the saving power of the name of Jesus. And so from that verse and that thought today, I'm going to speak to you from this subject, like always, like never before. God bless you, and you can be seated today in the presence of the Lord. We are living in unusual times. I would say we are living in unprecedented times, but no one wants to hear that word, so I won't say it. But we are living in unusual times. I don't know of anyone alive now, living today, that can say they've ever experienced in their lifetime the things that we're experiencing now. In terms of cultural dynamics, the unchecked encroachment of sin into our culture, in terms of fear and dread, uncertainty, confusion, even sickness. I personally believe there's been a spirit that's been unleashed on this world that we're having to deal with. But I want to remind the church today, and I want to remind Grace Church today, that where sin doth abound, grace doth much more abound. And I believe that Jesus Christ has positioned His church to be in exactly the right place at exactly the right time. It's not an accident that you and I are alive in 2021. It's not an accident that you and I are the church in these dark times in which we live. It's not an accident that God has commissioned you and me to be His hands and His feet in this moment. We are living One of the most challenging points of history, but it's also one of the most, uh, we have one of the most uh, opportunities of history ever for the church and to see a move of God. I believe that these signs still follow them that believe that in my name they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues and they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. That hasn't changed just because it's 20 21. I believe there's a revival, a harvest, a demonstration of the power of God yet to be established and yet to be experienced that we will see and is even now beginning to rumble through the world. We can talk about revivals of old. We can talk about the Welsh revival. We can talk about Azusa Street outpouring and all the wonderful moves of God from the past. Yet, I believe there is still an outpouring of God's Spirit yet ahead of the church. As the church, I don't believe we're going to hobble out of here at rapture time. I believe we're going to go out in power, in victory, with wonders and signs. I believe we're going to go out with our head up our shoulders squared, professing the name of Jesus and walking in the power and might of His name. That's God's part. That's what, that's what He wants to do through the church. That's the divine element of this whole thing. What then is our part as apostolics, as the church, as the ecclesia, uh, the called out ones, the, the established Church of the living God, what then is our part? What should our posture 
in these times be? In times where answers are few and questions are plenty, where forces of darkness and uncertainty are beating against the door and threatening to overwhelm us, what is the correct posture of the church? I want to speak today and declare today that our mindset, our posture, I'll call it this, our battle cry should be, like always, like never before. In 2006, the automaker Saturn was preparing to introduce several new entries into its vehicle portfolio for 2007. These entries would double the number of offerings from the Saturn brand in their lineup. They needed a slogan, they needed a campaign, an ad campaign that would capture the essence of who Saturn was and what they were trying to do with these new vehicles. And according to an article from a website called topspeed.com, which was written in May, on May 15, 2006, I accessed it this week. They say this, in quote, The ad campaign for Saturn began an aggressive expansion of its car and truck portfolio. Balancing Saturn's heritage of outstanding customer service and spirit of innovation with exciting new product designs, the ad featured the brand's new tagline, Like always, like never before. Said Dave Smidebush, the Director of Marketing and Advertising, these ads leverage our strong brand equity with current customers while attracting people who have not previously considered a Saturn vehicle. The television ad, which you can access online, even from back then, it's available online, it showed visuals of the Saturn heritage along with glimpses of the new Saturn vehicles that would be rolled out in 2007. And this is the voiceover of the commercial while those images are playing. They say this, quote, There is a way to recapture the world's imagination, to stay the same in one way and evolve in another. There's a way to put people first without putting cars second. Introducing... The 2007 Sky Roadster, or midsize sedan, and the VIEW Hybrid SUV. Saturn, like always, like never before. End quote. End voiceover. With that simple tagline, the ad took the Saturn brand and all that it stood for, its heritage, if you will, and focused it forward as it moved the needle into new territory, such as sports cars, hybrids, and so on. Basically, building off the past to effectively engage the future. So I want to say today to apostolics, there is a way to recapture the world's imagination. Not to score some sort of ideological victory, not to become clever enough to get more social media likes, but to truly gain the attention of those who are looking for answers and point them to the answer. 
In these times, especially in these times, the world needs a movement so rooted in its core identity, so sure of what it stands for, yet so confident that it can walk boldly forward reflecting the divine grace that is available to face any need. It's able to forgive any sin. It's able to impact any situation. And it's able to heal any hurt. It's looking, the world is looking for a group that still functions in the power of the Spirit as it always has, but will do whatever is necessary to reach and to love anyone from any walk of life, no matter their past. In short, the world is looking for a church who will be like always, like never before. So let's deal with the like always part. Counterintuitive though it may seem to be the 21st century apostolic church that we've been called to be, the first step we must take is down an old path. The prophet Jeremiah said, ask for the old paths. Where is the good way? And walk therein and you shall find rest for your souls. I love that he called it the good way. If you're feeling uneasy today, if, you need, if you're feeling unrestful, restless, I want to tell you there's rest in the old paths. So the first path we must walk in, like always, is our apostolic identity. In this day, we must walk in our apostolic identity just like always. We are the people of the name of Jesus. We are believers in one God. We have experienced the gospel message, which is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We are filled with the Holy Ghost. We have been baptized in Jesus' name. We believe we, in walking in a lifestyle of holiness. And as I've said before, we believe signs and wonders should follow them that believe. The apostle wrote it this way. He said, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness and into marvelous light, which in times past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now has obtained mercy. That is the core of who we are, and we must not waver. These are things that never change, and they must not change. They form the core of who we are and what we believe, and we will live them just like always. I submit to us today that our world is looking for something authentic. I submit that they are looking for purity. I submit that they are looking for the genuine. And I submit that they are looking for someone some church that will stand boldly and without compromise. I believe the world is looking for truth and they need to experience divine love. They deserve to obtain mercy. In short, the world needs the apostolic church with all of its apostolic identity. We have what they're searching for. Let us not waver from it. Let us not move away from it. But let us walk boldly in our identity as apostolics. It is the answer that the world needs. And I would say second today, we must build apostolic altars like never before. In addition to our identity, we must build altars 
through prayer and fasting, just like always. The apostolic church was born in an upper room in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost. And as it happened, there were about 120 believers that were gathered for a prayer meeting. And all through the book of Acts, we see the blazing fire of revival, the flames of the blazing fire of revival fanned by the bellows of prayer. Prayer and praise are what caused the jailbreak that set Paul and Silas free. A praying church released the miraculous visitation of an angel who walked Peter out of prison and sent him knocking at the door of those that were praying. Prayer is what ushered in Azusa Street and prayer sustained the apostolic movement through the 20th century with many significant and noteworthy outpourings of the Holy Ghost in nearly every decade, especially in the 60s and 70s. But what I want to say to us today is this. If those old timers had to build altars, if those old timers had to pray, if they had to fast, if they had to separate from the things of the world to consecrate to a higher calling, I don't see where anything has changed just because the calendar has flipped to 2021. We need prayer. We need prayer. If we're going to be apostolic in identity, if we're going to be the apostolic church that God's called us to be in this day, we have got to be people of prayer like always. Recently, my mother spent some time with some of her lifelong friends. Now, I didn't call them old friends. I didn't say that for a reason. They were lifelong friends. And, uh, well, I'll just go ahead and say it. I thought it was interesting. You know, when we were young people, kids, my, my parents would pick us up from, from events on Friday nights. I went and picked her up from her event that Friday night. I thought that was kind of, uh, kind of interesting. But these were lifelong apostolic friends of my mom. And so I, I went there to, to pick my mom up. It, it had started raining. Let me just give you the context. It had started raining and she wasn't as comfortable driving. And uh, when I, I knocked on the door and, 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 and Sister Margaret came to the door and, uh, and uh, she, she said, Brother David, Brother David, she said, we had such a wonderful time. She said, she said you know, we had a nice meal. We, we've had some wonderful fellowship uh, uh, catching up on old times. And she said, and then we had a great time of prayer. And I shouldn't have been surprised by that, but I, I'll have to admit that I was. I, I thought, well, you know, here they are. They've got a Friday night at their disposal to party and, and just have a really great time. And, uh, and they took some time out to pray. That's our heritage. That's what built this church. That's what built the church. I've, I've mentioned the book of Acts. I've mentioned down through the 20th century. Our, our forebears, our mothers, our fathers were people of prayer. They never missed an opportunity to pray. They took literally Jesus' words where two or three are gathered, pray and, and be in prayer and I'll show up and be in the midst. And so Sister Margaret said, we've had a wonderful time of prayer. And I thought, God, I want to be like that. I want to be, I want to be that anytime I get together with other believers, it's time to pray. I want to be where, where prayer is foremost on my mind. I want to be a person of prayer. I want to be a church of prayer. Like always, I want to carry that on. We must be people of the altar, just like always. It's what established us, and it's what sustained us. Uh, uh, media team, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to skip forward here. I want to say this. I want to say this. We face issues that our forebears never have dreamed of and have ne could have never imagined. But the same God 
the same God that has access through the same prayer life. The same power of the name of Jesus is enough to conquer every spirit, every issue, every challenge of these times, just like he has all through the past. Oh, come on, somebody. Would you commit yourself to your apostolic identity? Would you commit yourself to being a person of prayer? Come on. Come on. Oh, I'm thankful. I'll I'll do a little brag here. I'm thankful that I'm I'm fifth-generation apostolic on my mom's side. And I'm doing my best to pass it on to the sixth generation, my kids. But I want you to know today, it's not just a heritage. It's not just something that was passed on. It is a truth. It is the truth of the Word of God. The life-breathing, life-giving, salvation gospel of the message of Jesus Christ. We've got to be apostolic like always. Would you clap your hands one more time? Like always. Like always, like always, we will be apostolic like always. But to be the 21st century church in these times that God has called us to be, there's a second component that we must give consideration to, and that is simply that we must give ourselves to the kingdom of God like never before. And this is where I've come to preach to you today what I believe God would say to our church today. Marshall Goldsmith wrote a book, and it's called this. What got you here will not take you there. I confess I have not read the book, but I did read a pretty thorough executive summary to bring myself up to speed. What got us here will not take us there. The basic idea is that when a measure of success is achieved or a goal is obtained, what got you to that level of success won't be enough to propel you to the next. Whatever level of commitment, whatever level of work and effort and focus got you here, it is going to take even more to advance. And in this 21st century, with so much out of control, that is out of our control. In a world with questions that are complex and answers that are not easy to find, the apostolic church must commit to reaching our world like never before. We must be willing to commit to the kingdom of God like never before. The success and the revivals of the past are awesome. They got us here. But it's going to take everything we have to give to be the church of the 21st century. I ponder sometimes how in the 70s, 80s, 90s, the decades where I came of age, I was born in the mid to late 70s, the decades when I grew up, everything in life revolved around the church for the apostolics. Because Jesus was coming soon. Time was of the essence, every moment counted. And just any day now, we knew that it was going to wrap up and we wanted to be rapture ready. So spending time at church, getting closer to God or doing something productive for the kingdom, like, for instance, teaching a Bible study in your home, it was of paramount and preeminent importance. Everything else in life took a back seat to that. Everything revolved around the kingdom of God. 
What perplexes me? If, if we're being honest today, if we're being transparent and we just zoom out and we take a look at ourselves honestly, here we are all these decades closer to the coming of the Lord with the signs of His appearing jumping off the headlines like they never have before on a daily basis. And we've been lulled into lethargy. We're so busy doing all the things that we do that we just barely have enough time and energy to schedule a little something for God and His kingdom. But the writer said in Hebrews, he said it so much the more as you see that day approaching. I don't see how it's going to take any less sacrifice. I don't see where it's going to take any less effort than the commitment that our fathers and mothers put into this thing. We are the people of the last day. We are the people, again, that God has matched with His times. And the times call for more commitment, not less. I believe that God wants to do more, not less. Which means we have to do more and not less. We've got to be willing, once again, to tune our ear to the old call that says, Go into all of the world and preach the gospel to do whatever it takes to reach your world, to do whatever it takes to reach my world, to do whatever it takes to be the church this world deserves. Again, I'll tell you, we're in a world, you know this, we're in a world that needs healing. We're in a world that needs mercy. I, 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 I of course, knowing what I was going to preach, I, I began pondering and meditating and thinking while the praise team sang, and, and we celebrated together. It was so beautiful. That amazing love of God, the, that love that God demonstrated uh, just coming down through the cross and coming down through all these generations. Everyone in this building has experienced the love of God, and we celebrated it, and we, we rejoiced in it today, and it washed over us all, all over again. But what about the people outside the four walls of this church? They deserve to feel the love of God. They deserve to experience what you experienced today. They deserve to experience what I've experienced today. Our world needs the gospel. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. Clap your hands one more time. But it's going to take commitment like never before. We've got to get involved in the church like never before. We've got to put our shoulder to the wheel like never before. We've got to get about the business of the kingdom like never before. We've got to get concerned for souls like never before. And let our heartbeat be God's heartbeat. The last point I want to make, we'll spend a little time here. We must be apostolic in our identity like always. We must be committed like never before. But we also must love like never before. We must love to be the 21st century church God has called us to be. We've got to love this world like never before. In case you haven't noticed, our world is fractured and it's divided. So sure are we of our opinions and our viewpoints. I believe all of us are a little too quick in context of this message 
We're a little too quick to take up battle stances along a thousand different dividing lines. We can't even agree on how to use emojis in this society. There was an article this week in the paper. What a smiley, what a smiley emoji means depends on your age. The Wall Street Journal said Generation Z has adopted new meanings for emojis while older people stick with tradition. I was thrilled at the news that I'm using emojis all wrong. It goes on to say behind the yellow, wide-eyed, smiley face emoji is an intergenerational minefield. That's the words of the Wall Street Journal. The ubiquitous emoji means happy, good job, or any number of positive sentiments to people over the age of about 30. Pardon me for thinking the smiley face emoji means smiley face. For many teens and 20-somethings, a smiley face popping up in a text or email is seen as patronizing and passive-aggressive. You didn't know that, did you, people over 30? I, was, I actually took it personally. I was stunned. It took me an hour to get over it. The article goes on. I'm not going to read it to you. The bottom line is this. Most emojis that the 30 and older crowd are using, you're using them wrong. They don't mean what you think they mean. But this is the point. In a world that cannot agree on what the smiley face emoji means, you aren't going to win anybody over to your side of any debate with opinions, clever arguments, and cleverly worded social media posts. You're not going to do any good. But what the world cannot argue with is love. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, that you have love one to another. What I want to say today is this. There is a world out there dying and going to hell, hungry for what you and I have. And it's time to give them divine love because divine love cannot be denied. Divine love cannot be argued with. Divine love is an irresistible magnetism. If we're going to see revival like we want to see revival, if we're going to see positive change in the world like we want to see positive change in the world, we're going to have to love people like never before. We're going to have to drop the dividing lines. We're going to have to drop the arguments. We're going to have to drop the debates and just love unconditionally. I've spent a while now laying a foundation. I'm not talking about changing our apostolic identity. I hope you got that part. I'm talking about we're going to have to love people unconditionally. The Apostle Paul says, I've become all things to all men that I might by some means save some. It doesn't mean you have to agree with everybody. It doesn't mean you have to, to just lay down and, and be a format or whatever. But you do have to love them. You do have to love people. God didn't save us to be divisive. He saved us to love people because He loves people. And as I recall, He gave up His life and He gave up His right to be right for the salvation of the world. We've got to love people like never before.
I want to say today, and I'll compliment us here, love is the DNA of Grace Church. We love people, and I love that we love people. Uh, the other day, uh, during the altar service, I went up to somebody and told them I was glad they were here, glad to see them, and said, I just want you to know we love you. And they kind of looked at me and said, we know. We, we, we feel love every time we walk in. You, you know, you're not telling us something new. We know we're loved. I love that about our church. I love that about the DNA of this place. And so today, I, just, I have to just encourage you. I just have to tell you, when they start coming in, this is where I want to get. I'm not going to get real specific. I want to be careful. But when they start coming in from off the street and they don't look like us, they don't act like us. Listen, they don't have the same belief system as us. They don't come from the same social viewpoint as us. I'm telling you, that's when we must love like God loves. It must be our distinctive. It must be what we're about. It must be what defines us. Oh, yeah, go ahead and clap your hands if you believe it. I'm telling you today. Oh, come on, somebody. Absolutely. It's a love unending. It's a love unwavering. And it's a love unbiased. We're people of the love of God. I was so moved. I was so moved. At junior camp, one of the day sessions, they called in the national leader of the P7 Bible Clubs. P7 Bible Clubs is a program that puts material in the students' hands so they can start a Bible club in their school. We have, uh, by law, you have the right to start a Bible club in your school. And it gives you all the materials, all the legal stuff. And uh, we got some kids talking about doing that in the coming semester. We've had kids do it in the past. Uh, Brennan Stokes had over 100 at one point in his high school back when he was in high school. Beautiful program. Works very well. This guy came in. He's the national leader for the United Pentecostal Church, P7 Bible Club. Came in to talk to Junior Camp about doing that. And he told story after story after story. And he got a little more specific than I will today. But he talked about how these kids would start P7 Bible Clubs in their school. Kids would start coming. They'd get baptized in Jesus' name, get the Holy Ghost. They'd go back to their neighborhoods, back to their families, and bring, bring those people into the church. They would get baptized. They would receive the Holy Ghost. And he had pictures and, and all that stuff, amazing stories. But this is the point. Many of those people and what he emphasized that day, and it moved me. It, it changed my perspective. It was a paradigm shift for me. He, so many of those people were saved out of alternative lifestyles, what we would call. And, and, and here's the thing. They don't know that their lifestyle is incongruent with the Word of God because they don't know the Word of God. But once they know the Word of God and it's shared with them in love, then an amazing thing happens. God loves them just like He loves us. The Holy Ghost is for them just like it's for us. The baptism in the name of Jesus Christ changes their life just like it changes ours. Oh yeah, it's the power of the gospel. And it's for everyone who will believe. So Jesus loves everybody just like he loves us. And I have, I've just been, God's been doing a work, just, just showing me some amazing things in my life about, even, even generationally, just loving people without qualification, without condition, 
regardless of whether you agree with them ideologically. So, as I, as I wrap up here, I want to give you an example. 21st century apostolic church committed like never before, loving people like never before, unconditionally, go wherever God sends us, do whatever has to be done in this day. Writing uh, in an article from the September 2021 Pentecostal Life magazine, so it just came out this week for September, an article starting on page 12, missionary Stephen Dross gave the following report from Mexico. I want you to lean into this. I want you to watch this. I'm quoting from his article. This is what he writes, quote. The circus world is a culture all to itself. Most often it involves families that go back several generations, and for them it's not just a job, it's a way of life. He writes, and I want you to get this, unfortunately, individuals often create stereotypes of people and cultures they don't understand or know, and they will ignore people, the marginalized, the ignored. He writes, but everybody needs Jesus. So take a look at this picture on your screen. I don't know, I don't know Spanish, I wish I did, but I do know that says Barley Circus, and that it also says in addition to seeing the circus, you can meet Jesus Cristo, Jesus Christ. He says the UPC of Mexico stumbled upon the circus culture when a family of trapeze artists walked into one of our churches and were baptized in the name of Jesus and filled with the Holy Ghost. Since then, God has reached many people in Mexico and sometimes entire circus troops have been baptized in Jesus' name. And look at that. That is a live tiger watching the proceedings. Not only do you have to have faith that Jesus will forgive your sins, Missionary Dross continues, he says, God is reaching the circus community, not only in Mexico, but also in the United States, Canada, Europe, Central, and South America. Check this out. The United Pentecostal Church of Mexico saw fit to create a circus ministry so as to focus our evangelistic attention on this people group. I like that. It's a people group. They need Jesus. They are unique people and very passionate about what they do. When they are filled with the Holy Ghost, that passion translates to the work of God. And he concludes by saying, They are people for whom Jesus died, and they come with their own unique set of needs. We as the body of Christ need to find a way to reach them. Look at this last picture. This is a circus arena filled with people hearing the gospel preached, being filled with the Holy Ghost, and, and God changing their life. I want you to know... Uh, as our musicians come uh, to lead us in altar. God's church is on the move locally and globally. Don't be distracted by negative social media posts, bad news, dark times, and people prophesying doom and gloom. Because if you do, you're going to miss what God is doing with His church. In these last days, I want to assure you, He is pouring out His Spirit like always, like never before. Like always, like never before. 
I've coined a new phrase this week. It's my prayer, my vision. With God's help, I'm doing everything I can to live it out. It's just this. No one undeserved, no one underserved. There's nobody in any strata of society that does not deserve to hear the gospel. That does not deserve to feel the love of God. And there is no one in any strata of society that should be underserved. We should be willing to say, here I am, send me. If it's a circus, if it's your job, which might be like a circus sometimes. If it's your school, whatever it is, we should be willing to say, I will go. The times we live in demand our best and our world deserves our best. We must go like never before. Would you stand with me? So God, having this presentation today, God spoke to me this week. And he spoke to me that there would be somebody here today, probably a lot of somebodies. And you just feel stuck in your relationship with God. Your walk with God doesn't have that vibrancy that it had before. Your prayer time has become routine, maybe non-existent. You read the Bible and it doesn't come alive for you like it once did. I would submit to you today, you have the always part. More than likely, you're apostolic in your identity. Your core self, your core Christianity is solid. You know what you believe. You know you're not going to waver. The always part resonates with you. But what you're missing today is the like never before. You know of a surety that God has called you to do something. There's someone he's been talking to you about reaching. There's some specific aspect of the kingdom of God he's laid on your heart to get involved in. Some specific area of the kingdom of God you've been feeling a heartbeat for. But for whatever reason you've been resistant. Maybe you felt too insignificant to do what God is asking you to do. Or maybe you're just not so sure about those people that God has talked to you about. Or maybe up until today, you just really haven't wanted to. But I hope this message today has compelled you and that you will understand that if you will step over into the mindset that says, God, I will commit to your kingdom like never before. I will reach like never before. I will love like never before. I'll tear tear away any condition. I'll tear down any reservations I have. It will be love without parameter. It will be surrender to the call of God without parameter. I promise you today, your walk with God will take on a new dimension. You'll find a new fervency. There will be a new vibrancy to living for God that you have not seen in a long time. That's the secret to living a joyful life as a Christian is to say, God, I will seek you first in your righteousness. 
I will give myself to the kingdom of God first without, without reservation. You may be the next person God's calling to preach to the next circus. You may be the next person to reach the next unchurched people group. Who knows what God could do with just this group right here? But I'm telling you, we've got to commit without reservation. We've got to commit with our whole heart to say whatever it is, God, I will do if you will use it. So as they sing today and lead us in a time of prayer, I'm inviting the church to the altar. I'm inviting you today to come to this altar. Young people, students, you have a tremendous opportunity. And I'm asking us to recommit to our, to our call. God will be what you want us to be like always. But we're willing to do it like never before. We're willing to commit like never before. We're willing to love like never before. To give ourselves to you. Church, would you come? Would you do that today? Would you give yourself again anew and afresh to the kingdom? That's it. That's it. From all over the building, they're coming. From all over the building, they're refreshing their commitment. From all over the building, they're making their, their fresh profession. Oh, that's beautiful. Come on, that's beautiful. That's it. That's it. God, I'll do what you want me to do. I've held out too long. But today is different. I'm stepping across that line. I'm saying, here I am, send me. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, that's it. There is a move of God yet to be had. I want to be a part of it. I want to be a part of it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, that's it, church. Come on, let those tears flow. Come on, let your heart be burned. Let your heart be touched with the needs of this world. We have the answer. We have what they're looking for. Would somebody say, here I am, Cynthia? Would somebody say, here I am?